Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I wanted to talk about how you can plan to seed save from your garden this upcoming growing season. And I know I talk quite a bit about seed saving on the podcast and this year um, I'm going to be updating my seed saving course with some new videos as well as updating the whole of the Grow Your Own Food Academy. But that's a different tale to tell. Seed saving for me is quite a fun hobby and I like to talk quite a bit about it because it's a skill that I think all gardeners can learn and use and it's something that you know we don't really talk a lot of or have a lot of information about when it comes to saving seed and growing a garden and there's lots of different ways why you should save seeds and there's some really popular reasons from other gardeners and homesteaders like saving seeds saves you money right have you noticed how much more expensive heirloom or heritage seeds have become saving seeds yourself means fewer purchases that you need to make right Gardening is often an expensive hobby for people and a lot of that initial outlay is actually the seeds. So learning to save them yourself means that you can have a lot more seeds. You're going to end up with more seeds than you know what to do with. Um, But it means that you can really cut that cost of starting your garden. Um, You can also save seed from plants that are growing well in your garden and start to build a resilient garden that can cope well with the conditions in your garden. Maybe if you have really hot, dry summers or cool wet springs right saving seeds from plants that are thriving in your garden helps that next generation of plants that you grow out from that seed adapt to your garden and soil and even how you grow as a gardener and also preserving history that is a great reason to save seeds seeds are so very intertwined in our culture and history and helping to preserve and maintain old seed varieties and the stories behind those um, is one way that you can help and you can do that by saving heirloom seed varieties. So I want to talk a bit about planning to save seed in today's podcast and you know the first thing that I like to think about is when will the plant actually produce seeds because some plants produce seeds in the same year that they grow and others need to go through a winter um, or vernalize and then they will produce seeds in the second year. So some easy to save seeds like tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, um, lettuce, peppers, beans, okra, sunflower, squash, cucumber, zinnias, melons. These are just some examples of plants that produce seeds in the same year that they grow. Now things like onions, leeks, cabbage, kale, broccoli, carrots, parsnips, beets, chard and spinach. Those are some examples of plants that flower and produce seeds in the second year that they they are growing. And knowing kind of what I'm dealing with in terms of when that plant is going to produce seeds, that helps me figure out what space I'm going to need and what plants are still going to be in the ground taking up room in my garden um, so that I can save seeds. And it helps me kind of figure out where I can grow things and, you know, where to put stuff in terms of that next upcoming garden season. And right now I know some of you are already like putting things in the ground if you're in those southern states where it's a lot warmer now I mean I'm under a, a good foot of more of snow and um, I'm just about to start my celery seeds and some of my peppers and things so you know we're all at different stages but having an idea and having a plan for our garden really helps us you know get to um, 
where we want to be much faster and helps us to you know really make the most of what we have in terms of our garden space and what we're going to be growing so let's say that you have a small garden and you're trying to keep your plant varieties separate let's say that we're wanting to keep our heirloom varieties the same as what we're growing and we want to keep them the same um, variety so when we sow that seed next year it's going to look the same as those plants that we grew this year and to do this, we can plan to maybe grow one variety of each plant each year to grow and then save seeds from the plants that grow. And you can rotate out each year, like which varieties that we're growing. So, you know, maybe this year it's Amish Paste tomatoes. Maybe next year it is um, Purple Cherokee tomatoes. Maybe this year we're doing um, Flashy Trout lettuce and maybe next year we're doing black seeded simpson lettuce right as an example and you know we can start with those easy seed saving plants where you can save the seed in the same year that you're growing that plant of variety and that's a great way to build up confidence in seed saving by starting small and um, you're not missing out of anything by having a small garden and trying to do this now of course for some of you saving of trying to grow just one variety of a plant like one variety of lettuce or one variety of beans or one variety of tomato one variety of pepper for example is going to work great and you're going to be totally happy with that because you know that's that's more than you can manage right for others you want to grow way more varieties and that's totally fine too i am one of those gardeners i like to have a lot of variety i like to grow lots of different things and i i really like to have the variety in what i'm cooking with and also like the general appearance of having all these different things growing together i really love how that looks so i'm one of those gardeners right i grow lots of different stuff and if you want to preserve individual varieties right we're still trying to grow and maintain these heirlooms in this example um then you know we're gonna have to try and figure out how to reduce cross-pollination between these varieties and we're gonna really need to plan out our garden for seed saving to be able to you know not only have successful planting and growing that we're trying to have you know to be able to feed us and our families and things from the garden but be able to have our crops that are growing specifically for seeds so we can grow those and save the seeds successfully so growing different varieties as far away from each other as you possibly can in your garden is a really good general rule of thumb to follow so you know if you're growing one variety of say some pole beans you want to grow them like as far away as you can from another variety to try and reduce that cross-pollination that's happening from the insects and you can actually find out how far away you need to grow your different plants and varieties by looking up what's known as the isolation distance of plants and you can find those by searching for a plant and isolation distance in your favorite search engine or you can look it up in a book like seed to seed by suzanne ashworth or the seed garden by seed savers exchange and i'll put links to both of those books in the gardening kit in the podcast description if you're interested um, and i have both of those and i use them quite regularly when i'm trying to plan my garden um, certainly if i'm trying to save seed and keep those varieties true to type so keep them the same as the previous year and you know you might see isolation distances of a quarter of a mile half a mile three miles right that they can get quite staggering um but don't panic my friend because it is possible to save seeds from individual varieties 
without them crossing in a small space. Um, you are going to need to do some research, however, to learn some isolation techniques like making isolation cages with mosquito netting. And that helps to prevent insects from getting into your plants and accidentally cross-pollinating. And then you can determine, you know, when those plants get pollinated later. Um, you could also use things like row covers, um, even fine little mesh bags called blossom bags that can go over individual flowers to prevent cross-pollinating. You can get like corn bags. They kind of look like paper lunch bags and you can pop those over different parts of the corn to stop them from accidentally cross-pollinating with another variety that might be, um, you know, available for cross-pollination as the wind blows through and uh, these techniques are called containment isolation if you're interested and you're wondering what to search for and you know for the varieties that you have in the garden you want to have those in some sort of containment and when you have those in this isolation cage or you're putting them in blossom bags you're going to need to pollinate those flowers some way shape or form because it's the pollination of those flowers that then generates the seed now you can either pollinate by hand which is super easy for things like large flowers like squash or you can introduce some insects so you can actually buy flies or bees like mason bees or leaf cutter bees or even honey bees and release those into the isolation cages and then you know that all what is being pollinated in there those plants are the same variety if you've put your isolation cage over one variety um, or maybe you've got it over two because you're trying to work on some interesting breeding things right whatever works for you but that's typically how this you know is done on a larger scale but you can also do it for a smaller scale so the raised beds that i had in utah made things super easy because i could convert the hoop house that i built that fitted directly over that raised garden bed and fit perfectly to the bed um, i could take that plastic off and put a mesh row cover over them to keep out the insects and i didn't have to worry too much about insects sneaking under the cover because the raised um hoop house fit directly over that raised bed um, so it was kind of a snug fit all the way around now for the beds that I have now because they're in the garden slash on top of the ground <laughs> um, because I have like these um, sheep mulch beds going on right now um, for those I would need to be careful about ensuring that that mosquito netting or the row cover goes all the way down to the ground and is weighed down or pinned down so I don't get any unwanted pollinators from getting up into that isolation cage and you know kind of pollinating everything in there along with whatever else it had been visiting beforehand now seed saving using these techniques is possible like i said even in a small garden you can do them for you know whatever size little patch that you're making so maybe you've got a row of carrots that you're wanting to protect from being cross-pollinated maybe you have um a couple of i don't know peppers or something that you're trying to keep the same variety or eggplant right you can make these um, little cages that will go straight over your plants and you know as long as the material that you're making those cages out of is permeable so sunlight can still get through water can still get through you know your plants are going to adapt to those growing conditions it might be a lot hotter in there and more humid so you might start to see an increase in you know pest or disease in there so you do need to kind of keep an eye on things and 
check that stuff is growing well um, but as long as you plan your garden to accommodate for these isolation cages that you're putting in so maybe you were growing things in you know a box shape or a rectangle shape or a row something that is easy for you to be able to cover later it gets a little tricky if you are trying to have a more polyculture type of garden where you're trying to grow lots of different things together um, then it can get a little tricky but it's not impossible to seed save um, with these things you need to get a little bit of creativity going there and there's lots of resources available to help you with that so don't be put off as a beginner from seed saving because seed saving and you know trying to keep these varieties the same um, as what you were growing out like it, it's totally possible even as a beginner um, you're just going to need to do you know put in a bit more effort um, to protect those varieties from the accidental cross-pollination and also a bit more planning up front so you know where things are going to go and plan out how you're going to protect them from this accidental cross-pollination. There's a lot of great resources available to you to learn about these isolating techniques that are available and seed saving, things like the books like Seed to Seed or The Seed Garden and even YouTube. There's tons of stuff that's available and you know really you're not going to know until you give it a try. Now you can also isolate varieties with timing. So some varieties mature earlier than others or later than others and you can leverage this to save your seed that is that it's not going to be cross-pollinated with another variety we're growing so corn for example is pollinated by the wind and I can plant different corn types like I can do a sweet corn and a flint corn let's say by choosing varieties that mature at different times so I'm isolating with timing so let's say my sweet corn is open up and is pollinating before my flint corn is even you know halfway up the size of my knee right it's not even tall enough to be producing any flowering yet so i've got some assurance that the sweet corn that i'm growing is pollinating with itself and then later on after my sweet corn has come through my flint corn is starting to get to the point where it's ready to pollinate it's going to pollinate and it's not cross-pollinating with my sweet corn anymore and then it can grow mature and i can do things that way that's timing and there's other plants that you can do that with as well depending on whether you've got an early variety or a late variety and you can look to see at how many days to maturity some of your plants are and see whether you can work into your plan for your garden some of these earlier maturing varieties versus some of these later ones now if you wanted to grow more varieties than just the one variety uh, for each plant type but you don't want the hassle of creating containment isolation cages or covering your plants and then you're really going to need to be okay with your plants pollinating naturally like the bees are going to do what they want to do the flies are going to do what they want to do the wasps are going to do what they want to do the butterflies are going to do what they want to do right this is how i generally grow my garden from seed and then save seed later some plants um, that I don't want to cross pollinate are the hot peppers and the sweet peppers and the sweet corn and the field corn So for sweet peppers, I grow those as far away as possible from my hot chili peppers And I plant lots of other plants between where those pepper types are growing So for example, let's say I have one bed on one side of the garden that is growing my sweet peppers And then in another bed way over the other side of the garden is the hot peppers And in between those two, there's all these other garden beds that I'm growing 
growing lots of other plants. I've got lettuce in this space, I've got leeks over here, I've got peas over there, I've got beans here, I've got tomatoes here, maybe I've got some marigolds and zinnias all over the place, right? There's lots of things growing around to distract some of these pollinators a bit before they see, oh, there's hot peppers over here, and oh, oh, look, there's some more of the same peppers over here. There's these same flower types over here. I'm gonna go visit over there. So this technique where I'm trying to grow things as far away as possible and with other plants and stuff in between, it doesn't prevent the cross-pollination. Um, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't prevent it like it would if I used an isolation cage, for example, but it helps to reduce it so I don't weirdly get a hot pepper and a sweet pepper mix or a, you know, a sweet pepper and a hot pepper mix. And I'm okay with some of those things happening. But again, if I wanted to be really careful about it, then the isolation cage is going to make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, since I've got a lot of wow carrot and Queen Anne's lace that are growing in the pasture nearby, I might try to cage the carrots that I let flower in the second year of growing in the ground to be able to save those seeds. And this is so that I'm gonna have less carrots that are gonna be growing out of that seed the following year that I've grown using the saved seed that are gonna be cross-pollinated. But they're kind of easy to see that they are a cross um, from a wild carrot or a Queen Anne's lace because they're gonna be cream or white in color and I typically grow red, orange and purple carrots. So it's gonna be easy to be able to see that. But I mean, this is kind of one of those things where you as the gardener need to figure out what it is that you are saving seeds for and what's kind of the driver behind some of those things. Because this is your garden, right? It's not my garden. I have my own reasons for doing it. The next garden's got another different set of reasons for doing that. I know gardeners that don't save seeds. They buy new seeds every year or every couple of years. I know gardeners that only use, you know, saved seeds and seeds that they've swapped and stuff. So it's really down to you and you know what is the purpose of your garden for this year are you growing food to pro you know provide for your family are you growing things because you're wanting to save the seeds and reduce the money are you trying to save seeds to help preserve an heirloom variety right what, what are the drivers behind doing it and it sometimes it's a good you know exercise to write those down in your garden journal like what are your goals for the garden this year so you can keep going back to those and remember why you're doing it generally though in my garden i let things pollinate naturally i save seed from plants that have thrived those that have produced well and tasted great over time these varieties that i grow and save the seed from are going to become a land race that's adapted to my garden they're going to adapt to the climate the soil and how i grow them as a gardener or neglect them as the case may be for some things right and you can listen more about land race gardening and land race seed saving in some of my previous podcast episodes. You could also learn a bit more about seeds in the Aussie interview or OSSI interview that I did in a previous podcast as well. And there's other um, podcasts that I've done with interviews with other seed savers, seed growers and um, you know, you can check those out in the previous episodes as well. And sometimes it's good to kind of go back and listen to some of these episodes and things because sometimes you might learn something again that you didn't quite hear the first time round, or you're at a new stage in your gardening journey and you realize, oh, okay, this is more applicable now. Like I'm doing that right now, going back and listening to previous episodes of you know, other podcasts, you know, gardeners and, you know, interviews and things that I've listened to before. So there's always something that you can learn, right? And um, 
you know, one of the things that is quite a skill to manage is when you're trying to maximize your space. And certainly if you've got a small garden, you're trying to really get the most out of it in terms of you're using succession planting, you're interplanting or intercropping with different plants, right? You're trying to get as much as you can out of that space that's available in your growing season. And maybe you're doing that for food to be able to feed your family throughout that period of time. But when it comes to trying to save seed with an intensively managed patch, then you're going to really need to plan for the fact that some of the plants that you're going to be growing in your garden need to be in that garden bed for longer. So let's talk about a garden bed where let's say in early spring you're growing spinach and then you've got some cucumbers or squashes that are ready to plant for the summer. Now in your normal growing season you might be pulling out that spinach in late May because it's starting to get hot and you want to be transplanting some of those heat loving summer crops into that space now that the risk of frost has passed. Now if you're seed saving that spinach however it's going to need to be in that spot in the garden bed until it's gone through its full growth cycle and it's grown up, produced flowers and seeds that have been set. Now, spinach is what is known as a dioecious plant. And that just means that spinach has plants that have only male flowers on them and plants that have only female flowers on them. And we don't know which flowers we have until that plant is mature enough to be growing up to reproduce. So for spinach, you wanna make sure to keep a number of plants in that garden bed space to mature so that you can be sure that you've got both male and female plants to pollinate by wind pollination and produce seeds because spinach is a wind pollinator. So really understanding what it is that you're wanting to grow, how it grows, is gonna help you figure out the space that you need. So in this example, your cucumbers or squash that need to be planted are gonna to need to be planted somewhere else in the garden because as our plants are getting ready to reproduce, they need a lot more space. Like kale is another example. The plants get a lot bigger as they're sending up these flowering spikes and stuff to be able to produce the flowers. And then as you know, the, the seeds are being produced and they're getting to maturity you're going to need to have space and time for these plants to grow that seed's got to mature to a point where it's ready for harvesting so your plants are going to be in your garden a lot longer so take the time plan things out on paper or a spreadsheet if that's what you want and kind of see where your plants are going to need to go and you know use some great resources you know visit your library get a copy of some of these books and you know figure out how long some of these plants are going to need to be in that space in your garden bed and this is so you're not disappointed right when you're trying to grow your herbs your fruits your vegetables to eat you know and provide food for the family and canning and all those things that you're probably growing garden for like you want to make sure that you're able to incorporate your seed saving activities into that and some of that does take a bit of extra planning but remember though to start small and build up those skills right be kind to yourself as you're learning and remember that not every growing season is going to be the same so embrace learning these new skills and experimenting in the garden as you grow and save seed there's going to be some seeds that you are able to save very easily and you're quite happy doing it and you do that every year, right? Beans are one that we do quite regularly, right? We always grow 
beans out we always save the bean seeds right beans are a standard for us to be growing and harvesting but there's other plants that we've grown like um swiss chard for example that i've grown out and saved seed i don't do it every year um maybe i do it every couple of years just so i know that i've got space to be growing some other things in the garden and have the space to be getting some of the harvest and things that i'm looking for so for me it's all down to planning and one of the things that i think is really important but often overlooked is you know don't just save seed because you know it, it's there and you can save it you want to be saving seed for things that you actually want to be growing and growing again and again and sharing with people right just because you've got some seeds that have happened to come about if it's not a plant that you enjoyed eating or you know it had some issues with diseases or whatnot you don't need to save those seeds and, and grow them out again right remember back to what is the reason for your seed saving right are you trying to develop something that has got some resistance to diseases right is this something that is growing well in your garden right that those are some reasons for us to save the seed I'm probably not going to be growing out and saving Brussels sprout seeds because I don't really like Brussels sprouts. Um, you know, I grow them for other family members, but it's probably something that I would, you know, rather buy the seed in because I grow it so few and far between because I really don't like to eat them. But there's other seeds that I save all the time because it's something that I grow a lot of, I eat a lot of, and it's something that I really enjoy. So go back to that reasoning of what is it that you're looking to do in your garden? What are your garden goals? And I think, you know, really writing those down in your garden journal is a really good place to keep going and referring back to them. So as you're going through that growing season, you can kind of monitor how things are growing, what's growing well, and kind of remind yourself as to the reasons why you're growing some of these things and why you're looking to save seeds. You know, I know last uh, week I talked a bit about some of the projects that we've got going on on our homestead and some of the gardening experiments that we're doing right I'm probably not going to be saving seeds from some of those experiments that we're going to be working on other than my land race winter breeding leak project which is an ongoing uh, project for a number of years but there's other things that we like to save seed from as well garlic's one um we also like to save seed from kale i've got a massive jar full of kale seed um that has been open pollinated over a number of years and i just grow grow that out and it's kind of fun seeing some of the different things that come up as part of that grow out you get all these different textures and leaf shapes and colors that are available and it you know having saved a lot of seed it's kind of cool to be able to see some of these new varieties that are coming through and if i wanted to save those and then grow those out and produce seed and i could start doing some of these you know seed saving and seed breeding projects that might be something that I look at later on but I know that there's some of you listening who are going to be really into that and find it fascinating and that becomes a new hobby for you and I would love to hear from you if you have been doing seed saving and producing a variety I would love to know about what 
your drive behind that was. So let me know over in the Facebook group if that's something that you're doing. And let me know too if you are going to be saving seeds this year and what your favorite seed to save is going to be. Let me know. Until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.